here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy. And be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And indeed, as we are in difficult and trying days, understand that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And our ways are not his ways. And God knows exactly what he's doing. And as he is speaking forth to us today, his word should not return back forward. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Oh, gracious and eternal Father, we do thank you for who you are and for your great and mighty love. For you have demonstrated your love towards us in sending Jesus Christ, our Savior. That through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we can be reconciled to you. We can come boldly before your throne of grace right now, oh God. And Father, thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, which indwells those that you have called unto yourself. That we not only have God with us in Emmanuel, in Jesus Christ, but God living within us. You residing in your people. And for for that, dear God, this morning, we just pause to say thank you. Thank you for how you have protected us this past week. Thank you for how you have provided for us. Thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning with strength and health, able to able to worship you this day, Lord. May we never, ever take for granted again that the day would just go as normal. But Father, may we come before your throne this morning with deep gratitude, thanking you that you have even allowed us to worship you online. And Father, as we come right now, I ask that you will part your Holy Spirit upon this place, upon each and every person who is listening, who is watching. And Father, please give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are ready to receive your word with joy and gladness, that we would shout the excellencies of Christ because we know that you are near. Father, for the one who is struggling with fear and anxiety, I ask that you would that you will move upon their hearts right now and give them peace. For the one who is just struggling to to make it day by day, Father, come near, comfort and give peace. 
And Father, through today's worship service, I ask that you'd reveal yourself in new and marvelous and spectacular ways. That we would know beyond a shadow of doubt that you are in control and that you are faithful and that you are a good, good father. Now, Father, we ask that your blessings would be upon this worship service. Please glorify yourself and be with your people. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. At this time, prepare your hearts for worship and song.
This morning, we continue in worship by pausing just to pray, just to go before the Lord, lifting up our concerns, lifting up our cares, lifting up this nation, lifting up the world as we are dealing with this pandemic and the complete disruption of everything that We've known. And for that reason, I just want you to pause, just grab your Bible, follow along with me as I read Psalm 91. I just want to read Psalm 91 over you right now. Asking that the Lord would indeed be our rock and our refuge. As he promised that he was all, always be and he's showing himself faithful. Psalm 91 reads, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. 
nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the serpent you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. Let us continue to be in prayer for one another, for our families, for friends, for those infected by this virus, for those caring for the sick. We want to be in prayer for those that are incarcerated. We want to be in prayer for those in this city, in this state, in this nation. We want to be in prayer for the first responders, nurses and doctors. We want to be in prayer for our governmental leaders and this entire world that the Lord will cause them to exercise wisdom even if they don't want to. Let us go before the Lord right now and lift up those concerns. Father God, because you are creator and sustainer of all things, we know that nothing comes upon us, nothing slips through your grasp unless you allow it. And Father, we know that since you are in control, we can fully trust you. But yet, Lord, you give us the extraordinary opportunity and joy to come before you and to cast our cares upon you because you have already declared and promised that you are faithful. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would place a hedge of protection about us around Forest Baptist Church and each one of our members, oh God. Father, I ask that you would look in and care for our family, friends, and loved ones, dear God. Father, I ask that you would care for those who have already been infected by this virus. Father, for those in the hospital right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would heal their bodies, that they would come off, come off of the, the, the ventilators, dear God. Father, I ask that you would bring healing in these hospitals, healing in this nation, healing in this world, Lord, because you are able to heal. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are mighty to save, mighty to heal. Yet, Father, we do pray, nevertheless, I will, but your will be done. And in the midst of the situation and circumstances, we ask that you will be with each and every nurse, each and every doctor. Father, we ask that you will be with the custodian who has helped keeping things clean within the hospitals, every single worker, delivery folks, those who are still preparing meals, those who are volunteering, dear God. Please strengthen them in their inner being. Father, we pray for those who are incarcerated as such. They, 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 they don't have much room to move about. They, they, they can't care for themselves. But Father, I ask that you would raise up one that would care for them. And stand in on their behalf. 
Father, I pray for our governmental leaders, whether it's mayors, governors, presidents, prime ministers, whatever it may be, dear God. And I pray that they will be on their knees begging for, for wisdom from above because you promised that he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. And you would give liberally and, and freely to that very one. Father, I just ask that even as we are away from one another, that you would knit our hearts together and just give us a deep, deep burden and desire to love and to care for one another, even though we are apart. And Father, in all that we do, we will be careful to give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. In the matchless mighty name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen. Continue and worship with us through song as we sing one more song.
Amen, Amen, Amen. He is mighty. He is awesome. He is wonderful. We praise God for his goodness and his mercy. And just for the opportunity to lift him up one more time. Amen. Well, again, good morning to each of you who have joined us for worship this morning. Whether it be on your computer, your smart TV, on your phone. It is good that you are with us and that the Lord got you up this morning. So uh, if you don't mind, wherever you are, just give the Lord a hand clap of praise because he is good. And we may not be the church gathered corporately this morning, uh, but we are still the church at Forest Baptist, though scattered. And I just want to take the next few moments to give you some announcements to let you know what's been going on. Uh, So let me take a moment to remind you of the many ways that you can still stay connected during these challenging times. Remember to visit our website at www.fbcnewburg.org. That's FBC, like Forest Baptist Church, Newburg.org. There you will be able to access our weekly sermon archive, our daily washing the word bible studies and and also for the opportunity to send your tithes and offering through our online giving you can also receive the latest information and updates through our facebook page at www.facebook.com slash forest baptist church one word facebook.com slash forest baptist church and also be on the lookout for uh, our congregational communications through our new flock note notification system. You should have received a notification this morning at 1030 reminding you to tune in. Uh, this, this application, it, it allows us to engage the entire Forest Baptist community through text messages, through emails, and also through automated calls uh, if, if necessary. But just a reminder for those automated calls, be mindful that it is an 817 number, so it's not, a, it's not a, a debt collector. It's just us trying to reach you, trying to let you know what's going on and how to, uh, how to continue to be involved. Uh, but with that said, I, I, I want to I challenge each and every one of you to reach out to one another this week. Let's have each person just choose at least 10 people. Go through your directory and choose 10 people. Give them a call. Give them a text. Let them know that you're thinking about them. You love them, that you miss them. You're looking forward to the to the day where you're able to worship with them again. Find out if there's any needs that they may have, any anything that you may be able to help them with or something that we should know. But if each person reaches out to 10 people, we will be more than covered as a church, making sure we're caring and loving one another, one another and being a good neighbor. Also, if you are a member of this covenant community and you've been laid off or experiencing uh, 
some sort of difficulties, uh, we want to know because we care. So please call us at the church, area code 502-454-0189, or email us at the church and just let us know what's going on. So we could be praying for you, so we could come alongside uh, of you any way we can. But we want to make sure you know that we are here to help, to help and to assist you as best we can. And as we prayed earlier, we continue to pray for uh, this city, this state, this nation, and the entire world. So if you would, just pause for a moment in your hearts. There's a lot of information. Soak in what you need to hear. Uh, and let me pray for us as we begin to break up and uh, break off God's word that we may eat this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word has been revealed to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, right now, I ask that you would use your word to break strongholds, to break yokes, to deliver us from indwelling sin that so easily entangles us, Father, I ask that you would use your word to renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, even now, I ask that you would help us to take every thought captive that is not, that is not according to Christ. Father, every, every bit of fear, every bit of doubt, every bit of discouragement because of this new norm. Father, I just uh, ask that you would just uh, set us free, set the captives free through and by your word this morning. For your word declares, he who the Son set free is free indeed. Father, challenge us this morning. Comfort us and keep us this morning. Help us to be faithful as we worship you this morning, dear God. And Father, I ask that you would use my weakness, my foolish words to make much of Jesus Christ. That someone would be saved, that someone would be delivered because of your word this morning. Father, remind us that you are near that you are present and that you are a good, good God. These things we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. You know, once again, I, I thought it would be befitting if we pivoted from our series in Matthew for the moment in order to specifically uh, encourage and to reassure the body especially in these troubled times. Uh, so much has changed in just the past three weeks. Every single day, it seems like it's just exponential now. Uh, the, the infection rates and the deaths and, and the questions, when will we, we be able to go back to work? When will our children be able to uh, take part in school? Will they miss out on some of these milestones in their lives? So much has changed in such a short time. And beloved, that has left us very uncomfortable. Things are uncomfortable. Being home no longer feels like a, a vacation. And you may be feeling a little stir crazy because you've had to stay in more than you, you would normally or even would like. And things are uncomfortable. There's still so much uncertainty. This entire world has been upended by a virus, not, not a world war, by a virus. 
And, and, and through this circumstance, we, we now see so clearly that we are not as strong and powerful as we once thought we were. Things are uncomfortable. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a Christian's confidence in the midst of crisis from Psalm 46. This week, I want us to look at another psalm as we focus on coping with uh, being continually uncomfortable, especially for the foreseeable future. We don't know. This may be a, a, a new norm, but in spite of God still has a word for us. And so for this reason, I want us to take a look at a passage that's oh so familiar to us. A passage that we have looked to down through the years to keep us and to, uh, to firmly root us in, in, in faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, a psalm that has been a balm and, and healing to our soul. Something comforting while we're uncomfortable. So if you will turn with me in your Bibles on your devices, on your, on your computer, to Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. And I would like us to hear the word of the Lord. This is the word of God, the inerrant, the infallible, the sufficient, the authoritative, the wonderful and good word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated if you were standing. This passage is one, if not the most well-known psalm in the canon of Scripture. This is a psalm of confidence in the Lord's care. Uh, it's this care in which we find comfort during uncomfortable times. Here, this, this, this being comforted, understand, is not the same as being comfortable. See, there's a difference between being comforted and being comfortable. See, in situations of chaos and confusion, uh, God has a way of coming in and comforting us in the midst because none of us like being comfortable. But however, being uncomfortable can be a good thing for us. Being uncomfortable can remind us that we don't hold all the power in our hand. Being uncomfortable can remind us that we're really not in control of the things that we think we're in control of. Being uncomfortable reminds us that we just need to depend upon the Lord more than we did yesterday, today. Being uncomfortable can be a good thing. And beloved, I believe us being uncomfortable right now will help us to draw into the Lord where we really need to be anyway. But don't get that twisted with being comfortable. This 
liberation from difficulty, this this easing of our life, because uh, if, if truth be told, we just like to be comfortable. And we would do whatever we can in order to be comfortable. Uh, Don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I don't want this drama. We just want to be comfortable. But but we're not. And it's a good thing. But the better thing is the fact that God, through his mercy and grace, steps into our discomfort to comfort our hearts in the midst of a hurricane. God is still able to give us peace. And that's what we're asking for uh, from him even today. See, beloved, God is good. And his continual, his perpetual, his everlasting and extraordinary care is where his children will find comfort and communion for their souls. Our big idea from the text this morning is simply the goodness of God is revealed through his care. And and this goodness of God revealed through his care should lead you into determined communion and deep comfort. Let me say that one more time. Our big idea from the text is the goodness of God revealed through his care should lead you into determined communion and deep comfort. This this psalm is is kind of like a, a, a communion and comfort sandwich. It's bookend by statements of communion. In the beginning, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, 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 he is connected to the Lord. And at the end, he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's connected with the Lord once again. And all in between, in verses 2 through uh, uh, 5 and even the beginning of 6, we see that the care of God, his goodness, is what brings this psalmist comfort. David knew the comfort of God intimately. See, the the superscript tells us that uh, this is a psalm of David. And, And if we know anything about the scriptures, David was a complicated man. David, he, he, he grew up as a, as a, as a shepherd boy, and, 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 and as a shepherd boy, he learned how to have courage and to fight lions and bears, and, and that, uh, that enabled him to be able to take on Goliath, that Philistine, for Israel, and that allowed him to grow up in the ranks, and, and because he was moving up in the ranks, a jealousy set in with Saul, and then he begins to flee Saul because he's after him, and all these events begin to take place in his life as he ascends to to become king and as king there, it, it, it almost seems he finds a sense of comfort. And it's when he's comfortable, he finds himself falling into sin. Beloved, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my need for comfort, I can easily fall into sin. And though David was a man after God's own heart, he he finds himself a murderer and adulterer and disobedient to God. And God chastises him and he disciplines him. And surely there are consequences. David is a complicated man. When you read this psalm, these are the words of a complicated individual, one who loves the Lord genuinely, genuinely, but continues to fall in different areas of his life. 
We don't know at what point this psalm was written for uh, 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 by David. He could have been uh, fleeing from Saul at this point. Some commentators believe it was, it was during the season of, of wilderness roaming and running from Saul that he pens this psalm. It's amazing that even in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of fleeing for his life, David still is able to pen a psalm proclaiming the goodness of God. Beloved, I don't know where you are today, but even in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your circumstance, no matter how complicated your life has been in the past, God is able to show up for you right now and provide the comfort and the care that you need in order to commune with him. But what do we see? We see that David understands the goodness of God and he simply begins this psalm with the declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is both an affirmation and an allegation at the same time. This, this is him affirming that God is, is with him and near him and a declaration. He is saying, this is who God is. He is my Lord and my shepherd. He simply starts out, the Lord. The Lord Yahweh, the one who is the creator and sustainer of all things, the one who created Israel at a nation, the one who spoke ex nihilo and everything that that was became and is the same Lord who was able to bring them out of Egypt and past the Red Sea and into the promised land. He's talking about the same God who has been with them since the very beginning of time, the Lord. That God, not not these Babylonian gods, not these Philistine gods, not 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 the gods of the people who are just around and and, uh, and looking at Israel. He's talking about the, the true God. He is king of kings and the Lord of lords. That Lord. That one, he's my shepherd. To describe how the Lord cares for him as shepherd and how he relates uh, back to God, David reaches back into the recesses of his mind, recalling the days when he was just a little old shepherd boy. Because when he was just a little old shepherd boy, uh, he really knew what it meant for the Lord to, to be with you, even in the midst of danger and despair, that when the lion came up on him, God was with him. When the bear rose up on him, God was with him. And he was able to overcome these dangers because he knew that God, the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was the very one who was with him. So he proclaims in the midst of his fleeing, in the midst of fleeing Saul, in the midst of his circumstance, he thinks back to who God has always been, his Lord and his shepherd. This illustration of shepherd talks about how a, a, a shepherd would care for his flock. He would tend his sheep. He would protect his sheep. He would uh, give provision for his sheep. Uh, the, 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 the shepherd's sole concern was making sure that everything was good with his sheep. This is who God, this is who David uh, uh, compares as an analogy to God, that, that God, he cares for his people. He, he wants to provide for his people. He wants to protect his people. He is this shepherd, the one who is willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs to make sure that his, his people are good. Beloved, feel the weight of that just for a moment. Just, just, Lord, help us to see this text with new eyes. See how much the Lord loves you right now. That we would have the privilege of calling him Lord and shepherd. 
Not only is the shepherd known to take care of his sheep, but in Israel, the metaphor or analogy used for the spiritual leaders of the day were shepherds. In Ezekiel 34, this is when God is is calling out those priests who weren't feeding the sheep. They were only worried about themselves. They weren't worried about Israel. And he said that the shepherds, they are only caring about themselves. So in a sense, not only is God a, a, a physical provider as shepherd, he is David's spiritual provider. He, 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 is, he is the one who is taking care of his soul. In the New Testament, we see the analogy of the shepherd being used for pastors and teachers. And in a sense, David is saying in the Old Testament that, that the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's the very one who's pastoring my soul. Is the Lord pastoring you today? Is he shepherding you today, reminding you just who he is in order that you may persevere and continue on? But David doesn't stop there. He, he talks about he identifies the Lord as his shepherd. But what I love, what, I love what he does. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He, 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 he makes this statement that the Lord is not just a shepherd. He's my shepherd. See, there's a big difference. You may know God from afar. You may see what God is doing in somebody else's life. You may see how powerful God has been in the past of someone else. But it's different when you can say, I, I, I know the Lord for myself and he has been moving in my life. There's a big difference between a shepherd and my shepherd. And saying, my, this, this is a term of possession. But David's point here is not that. Uh, he's the possessor. He his point is that he's the possessed. He's the one who is who who, who has been been brought to the shepherd and the shepherd owns him. Psalm 95, 7 kind of speaks to this. This theme of being the possessed. Psalm 95, 7, for he, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. We, we belong to him, those who have trusted in Christ. Psalm 103, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This word my is significant. Because now David calls Yahweh and, and calling him his shepherd. He's saying that I belong to the Lord and it's not just name and name only. The way that you can tell that Yahweh is David's shepherd is the fact that 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 the Lord, he makes David lie down. He leads David beside still water. He he restores David's soul. Beloved, a personal relationship with God it's marked by the Lord's leadership in your life. You can't say the Lord is my shepherd if you don't do what the, the good shepherd tells you to do. You can't say the Lord is my shepherd if you ignore his word uh, and, 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 and just live how you want to live. You, you can't say he's your good shepherd when you're in fear and panic of everything, even though he says, I am with you. He, he can't be your shepherd if he doesn't provide leadership for your life. David acknowledges that, that because he is my shepherd, he goes on to make this statement, this bold statement. 
I shall not want. Because of God's goodness and, 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 and just who he is, the psalmist lacks nothing. Because God is the great creator and sustainer of all things, uh, David knows he has the greatest treasure in one, God all by himself. And, and when he talks about that, he, he has every single thing he needs. He doesn't want. He's talking about both quanti- quantity and quality. He, he's talking about the fact that God has given me plenty enough and the plenty that he's given me has been so good that I don't want to even taste anything else. I shall not want. I don't need I don't I don't need nobody else. I don't I don't need anyone to try to give me anything because God is enough and he has satisfied me. But, beloved, from here is where we get into the nitty gritty of of, of God's goodness to David. And it's from here that David says, God is good. Let me tell you a little something about his goodness. And the first thing he does, he says, the good shepherd nourishes and refreshes his people. Verses two and three. For he has. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He's talking about how the shepherd would take the sheep. When it was time to have a meal, when it was a time to inspect the sheep to make sure everything was good. And in the ancient Near Eastern times, though, though there was a lot of wilderness, though there was a lot of a barren land, though, though there was a lot of desert and dirt, this good shepherd is able to find green pastures. Pastures that's going to be able to satisfy and fulfill the sheep as they eat. Uh, green pastures, lush and lavish grass for the sheep to lay down and take rest. Still waters, not not roaring waters, not not chaotic waters, but still waters that the sheep can put their head in and to drink from and not worry about what's going on. As opposed to all the barrenness in life, all the chaos in life, David is talking about I may be in the midst of 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 chaos and crisis, but because the Lord is my shepherd, I still have green pastures and still waters. He's talking about the ability to enjoy God even in the midst of hardship. This is crazy. David has been on the run for his life. But yet he's talking about green pastures and still waters. And not only that, he, he talks about it in the sense that, that though I may have been running, though I may have been searching, though I have, may have been in the middle of crisis, that God has, is so good and refreshing and nourishing me that he is able to restore my soul, my innermost being. He doesn't say, I, I'm able to rest my, my arm, I'm able to rest my legs, I'm able to rest my back for a moment. He goes to the innermost core of a person. My, God is so good to me that my soul receives rest. That's good rest. That's the type of rest that even though things may go on, be going crazy on the outside, God still has me on the inside. The good shepherd nourishes and refreshes his people. But in, in the second half, uh, second part of verse three, we see that the good shepherd directs his people. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. When we think about this word righteousness, we automatically think as we should a rightness before God. A, a type of life that is in uh, that that lives up uh, to God's standard. We are obedient to him. Uh, there's 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 two ways that you can look at this. The, the first way you can look at it as a, a right way of life. 
He leads me in the right ways of life. He, I'm able to make right decisions and, and, and good ways come out of my obedience to God's leadership in my life. But specifically in this text, he's not talking about the right way of life. He's talking about the right way in life, the right paths. Have you noticed sometime that God is able to put you right where you need to be, when you need to be, before you even knew that you should be? He's able to make sure you are hitting the right path. He, he lead me in his path of righteousness. Why? Is it just because he wanted to do something nice? Is it just because you were doing so well? But it, was it because that you were all that? No, it has nothing to do with us, but it's for his name's sake, for his reputation. What God is saying uh, 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 to us through his word is that God is, is, is lifting his people up and he's using his people, not just so we can to pop our collar and to say how good we are. He is using us for his own reputation. Reputation. You know what that means? That simply means for his glory. God is leading us in righteous paths for his glory. Isn't that what Moses said to God on the mountain when he was about to crush Israel because of their disobedience? He says, do not kill and get rid of this people. Lest the nations around see and say, look. Look what their God did to them. His reputation would have been tarnished. But here, David is saying, because God has the utmost reputation, those who belong to him are able to benefit from that reputation. I don't know what your family name is, but uh, there's been times, so many times in my life where I've been able to benefit off my daddy's reputation there's been plenty of times where I have access in the places where I, I wasn't supposed to be because of my daddy's reputation. There was things that I received in the mail and gifts that I was able to put in my pocket because of my daddy's reputation. And if and if God is able to use my daddy's reputation to be a blessing to me, how much more is his own reputation able to bless us for his reputation? God. Is so good and the good shepherd directs his people. But then thirdly, the good shepherd protects his people. Look here in verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There would be times in life where the shepherd would need to take the sheep to another green pasture. To another uh, place of still waters. And many times in order to get to those other green pastures and those other still waters, the shepherd would need to take the sheep through, uh, through, through dangerous and, and treacherous uh, uh, valleys and, and trails. And, and, and here David is talking about, uh, I, I know God has my best interest at heart. And, 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 and as he is leading me, there's going to be times where I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Another word for this shadow of death is darkest valleys or deep darkness. When we think about these places, just think about places where there's the absence of light. 
And if, you, and if we consider God's word, those places where there are absence of light, those are places where sin and evil and wickedness usually raise its head most. And, and sometimes on this pilgrim's journey, God needs to take us through the valley of the shadow of death to get us to another green pasture and another still water. But, but as we go through, David says, I, I, I will not fear. Where's your valley of the shadow of death today? Is it the fact that you may have lost your job? Is that your valley? Is it the fact that you may not have childcare? Is that your valley? Are you, are you afraid and have a fear of infection? Is that your valley? Are you trying to figure out what's going on because there's no relief in sight? Is that your valley? But in spite of where the, where the road leads, even in the midst of the valley, that David is, is declaring that I will not fear no evil, not because I, I'm so confident in myself, because God is with me. Yahweh is with me because his presence is near me. I will fear no evil. And beloved, what I love about that statement is the fact that uh, it's because of God's presence that he won't fear. But if you got God's presence, then everything else that God got comes along with it. If you need God's omniscience, you got that. If you need his omnipotence, you got that. If you need uh, 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 any of his healing, his, his, his mind-regulating power, you got that. Whatever we need in the midst of the valley, because God's presence is with his people, we got everything else that we need. And David points to the rod and the staff, these instruments of safety and protection letting us know that God provides emotional and physical stability during chaotic times. For you are with me. The good shepherd protects his people. In verse five, we see the good shepherd blesses his people. The, the, the setting switches from a shepherd tending his sheep to a, 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 a righteous host uh, uh, having a banquet and bringing people to his palace. Uh, the setting switches from the pasture to the palace. And we see this great banquet where, where God is the good host and David is his honored guest. And as David sits down at this lavish banquet that God has set out before him, he says he's even able to eat in the presence of my enemies. Uh, pretty much at it. At one of these royal banquets, there was always some haters in the corner. Those folks who was always hating because of your proximity to the king. Those people who, who stand on the side who are always uh, uh, throwing out accusations and calling names. Uh, you know how we say the haters going to hate anyway. David's saying the haters are hating, but I'm not even worried about them because I got this lavish, this lavish buffet in the presence of this great good host. And not only that, we see from the New Testament, Jesus's words, when the lady came to anoint him as he is uh, sitting to die, no one in there thought enough of God to uh, pour, anoint oil, anoint his head and his feet, uh, a symbol of hospitality, uh, an act of refreshment. But beloved, on David's journey through life, he said, God is so hospitable. 
that he anoints my head with oil. He, he refreshes me. He, he cleans me up. Those areas of life where I was just musty and I, and I smelled bad, he says, he is anointing my head. He, he, he is cleansing me. And not only that, because I'm in his presence, because he is feeding me, my cup is overflowing. He's, he is making sure I got every single thing that I need. Beloved, in the midst of this crisis, God is still taking care of his people. The good shepherd blesses his people. In verse six, we see the good shepherd pursues his people. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In that text there, we see this goodness and mercy, this goodness, or in other translations, this steadfast love, this this goodness and and faithful love, this goodness and loving kindness, this this grace and mercy that, that is that is constantly in, in the view, in the proximity of God's people. David is saying, uh, even in the midst of all that is going on, God's grace, his goodness and mercy is still flowing over me. But better yet, better yet, the word that he used shall follow me. When we think about that text, we think about that anywhere that, that I, I turn and go, that his goodness and mercy are just are just. Uh, uh, tailing after me like a like a little lost puppy but but that's not the that's not what he has in view and actually this word to follow me is the same word that means to pursue and and this is the the word that would have been used of one army pursuing another army in over to overcome them what David is saying in the text is that God's goodness and mercy is so good not because it follows behind me like a little puppy but because no matter where I go, God is constantly pursuing me with his mercy, his goodness and grace. And he will chase me down no matter where I go. He is that good where you can't get away from his goodness. David says, if my soul was in hell, where can I go from you? Even even the darkness is not dark to God. And he is saying that 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 no matter where you go, I, that that those who belong to the Father, he is chasing after you. He's chasing you. Why would the God of the universe chase folks like us? Just because he's good. He's that good that he chases after us with goodness and mercy. Out of all that comfort, the fact that we're nourished and refreshed, the fact that he directs us and he protects us and he blesses us and he pursues us, David makes up in his mind. He says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is saying is that the good shepherd is worthy of your worship. This word here, I shall dwell, can also be translated, I shall return to. So it's not just so much in the sense that God is going to let me be in heaven with him for all eternity. 
what David is actually saying is even in spite of all the drama and chaos that has come into my life, God is still so good that I'm not going to run away from him. I'm going to run back to the temple, back to the tabernacle and worship him because I just want to be in his presence. David is saying, God has been so good. I just want to commune with him. I just want to be in his face. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to be in a place where God said that he will dwell with us. Beloved, and you, if you genuinely recognize how good God has been to you over your life, as you look back through the halls of time and see that God has showed up and shown out every single moment, that though you may have went through the valley of the shadow of death, somehow God brought you up on the other side of the mountain and you was able to enjoy the lush green pastures and that slow still waters and you recognize that God has been so good to me I can't do nothing else but worship him in return I can't give him nothing I can't pay him nothing I'm just gonna lavish my God with worship and David says I can't wait to get back to church he says, I'm, I, I will no longer take for granted the privilege I have to, to go to church and to worship. I won't take for granted the privilege I have to read God's word, to pray with God, to spend time with my God. He says, God's been so good to me that I just want to worship for the rest of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He, that, that word right there can be translated all of my days. All whatever I got left. However many days the Lord says I got left. David is saying I'm going to use those days to worship. May we be like David. May this divine disruption. As Tony Evans says. Cause us to pause and to reflect on the fact that God has been so good to us. May it cause us to return and worship. I don't know how far you are from the Lord, but you can still return. I don't know what, what you, where you was at yesterday. I don't know what's been going on these last few weeks. But, but when you realize how good God has been, the good shepherd. You should return and worship. Here in the psalm, we see the goodness of God meets David's spiritual needs. The goodness of God meets David's directional needs. The, the goodness of God meets David's emotional needs. And the goodness of God, he, he meets David's physical needs. But lastly, we see most of all that God also meets David's eternal needs. Though David is speaking of his personal experience with the Lord, this text has his eye on the eschatological promises of God. In Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verses 10 and 11, the word of God reads, Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Beloved, 
God is promising even in the Old Testament uh, that one will come and embrace his sheep. This text in Isaiah 40 looks forward to one who would come and, and, and be the good shepherd to his people that would draw them into where he is and take care of them and provide for and protect them. Beloved, all of scripture has been looking forward to Jesus the Christ, our good shepherd. John 10 and 11 makes it plain because Jesus identifies himself for the people. He says, you know, that good shepherd that you've been reading about in Psalm 23, you know, the, the shepherd who was able to make you lie down in green pastures, that good shepherd who was able to make you light, uh, to, to, to lay down by streams of water, that good shepherd that is, that is with you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that good shepherd who was able to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Yes, you know that shepherd who was able to anoint your head with oil. You know that good shepherd who was able to chase after you with goodness and mercy. Jesus says in, in John 10, 11, I am that good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, isn't that what he, exactly he did? Jesus did lay down his life. For sinners, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, those who trust in Jesus for salvation, for redemption, would be healed and have the great eternal privilege of being a part of that glorious flock of God. So now when we look at scripture, we know and recognize now through his blood, through the blood of Jesus, that Jesus is the good shepherd that nourishes and refreshes us. He says that I am the bread of life and I am the living water. He's able to, to feed us and to refresh us with water. He says uh, that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's able to direct us. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He, he is leading us to glory. He says Jesus is the good shepherd that protects us. He said, though you may destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. And Jesus is the good shepherd that blesses his people. He says, I, I, though I may be going, I'm going to send you a helper. And Jesus is the good shepherd that pursues us. He's able to die that death on Calvary's cross to pursue us even in our sins. See, but Jesus also closes that text in John, the 10th chapter, verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you know Jesus today? Ask yourself. Through all of this chaos. Could God be using this discomfort? To get your attention. Ask yourself. Isn't it time to stop hedging my bets and be all in with Jesus? Beloved, we we can certainly use this time to commune with Jesus, to get to know our Savior through prayer, through his word, through meditation, scripture reading, through serving we can commune with Jesus with more regularity now because we just have time. And then we can also use this time to comfort others with the same comfort that we have received. Beloved, the goodness of God 
revealed through his care should lead you into deep comfort and determined communion. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and the power of it. And I pray that we will surrender ourselves to you and that you would be my shepherd, our shepherd, not just a shepherd. And Father, we acknowledge that you use the broken things in this world to draw us back to you. Father, I ask that you would give us a season of just consecration where we seek to be drawn near to you. Where we would seek to be all in. Where we would seek to be faithful and to be used of you. Father, please use your word today. And the fact that you are such a good shepherd to comfort and to keep us as we seek to commune with you. We do love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. How should you respond today? How should you respond today? Should you respond by confessing your sins and trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior because you've just realized he is the good shepherd? If you are in need of salvation today, you can simply bow your head and pray a prayer like this. Lord, please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive me for being disobedient to you. Please come into my, to, please come, come and rescue me and, and save me because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Please be my Lord and Savior. If you genuinely pray a prayer like that, you let somebody know and you continue to grow in the grace of God. Or you may need to repent of particular sins because you have you really haven't allowed Jesus to lead you and to guide you and you've just been trying to do your own thing you've made a profession of faith but there's just areas of your life that that you're not allowing God to pastor you and a shepherd you just you can confess your sins today repent return back to the house of the Lord Wherever you are today, you need to respond to what thus saith the Lord. Our final thoughts for today is uh, my prayers that the goodness of the good shepherd would just encourage you in these uh, crazy days. Uh, knowing that we can't control any of this, but that God is in full control over all of this. And as his people, though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You don't have to fear because God is with us. And all that includes. So as you go this week, uh, may God's grace continue to be upon you. Again, let us know if there are any needs within the body. But then also, uh, check on and call, text, whatever, 10 people this week. Let them know that uh, you love them and you miss them. 
and that you're praying for them. And just to get back to some sense of normalcy, just imagine for a moment that we're back together as one body this morning. And it's okay for us to touch hands. Just imagine that you're able to grab your neighbor by the hand and repeat after me. But my God shall supply all of your needs, all of my needs, according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we live, shake your neighbor and, and say we move and have our being. For walk by faith and not by sight. For greater is he that is in you, that is in me, than he that is in the world. For God is with us and no one can be against us. For what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch, look, and pray. And give someone at your house a holy hug. You are dismissed. God bless you for us.